the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. James Blind is producing Dave King Engineering in Portland. Pedro Bartes producing and engineering in Seattle. Looking forward to a conversation with Pastor Rich Jones. He is the senior pastor at Calvary Chapel Hillsboro and founder of Blessers of Israel. We'll continue our look at what's happening in Israel and what's likely to happen next. And for those of you in the Portland area, for our last half of the uh, the program, Kimberly Swinson will join us. She's the clinic director for Pathways Clinic. Their fall gala is coming up, to which you are cordially invited. We'll talk with her um, in the uh, second half of the second hour. So hope that all made sense if you carry the two and apostrophe S. Well, the American death toll from the barbaric Hamas uh, terror attack on Israel has risen for 27, according to Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, announcing today shortly after arriving in Israel to meet with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and senior government officials. The number of confirmed American fatalities has continued to rise since Saturday when thousands of Hamas terrorists poured across the Israeli-Gaza border to slaughter, kidnap, and torture Israeli citizens and others. There are at least 17 Americans, at least, among the hostages who were dragged back across the border into Gaza as Hamas withdrew, according to the White House. Shortly after touching down in Tel Aviv, Blinken, Anthony Blinken reaffirmed U.S. support for the Jewish state in a joint address to the Israeli people alongside Benjamin Netanyahu. You may be strong enough to defend yourself on your own, but as long as the U.S. exists, he said, you will never, ever have to. Well, the Secretary of State went on to discuss his own Jewish heritage, telling Israelis, I come before you not just as United States Secretary of State, but also as a Jew. Blinken confirmed that additional U.S. military aid on top of what was sent earlier this week is on the way and added that the U.S. is working with Israel to secure the release of the hostages being held in Gaza. The aircraft carrier USS Gerald R. Ford arrived in the eastern Mediterranean on Tuesday in an effort to deter Israel's hostile neighbors from widening the conflict. The carrier's arrival coincided with threats from several Iranian-backed Shiite militia in Lebanon, Syria, and Iraq, which announced that they would begin striking American military targets if the U.S. intervened in this conflict. Well, the Secretary of State is uh, heading to Jordan on Friday to meet with King Abdullah and Mohammed Abbas, the head of the Palestinian Authority, there. Well, the FBI said it uh, it was working with law enforcement across the country, this country, in response to a call by former Hamas leader Khalid Masheal for all Muslims to join the battle against Israel and to head to the streets on Friday and protest in support of Palestinians. It is a day of um, of rage in a recorded statement sent to Reuters, Masheal is heard saying, we must head to the squares and streets of the Arab and Islamic world on Friday. He's currently based in Gutter and heads Hamas Diaspora office. The FBI is aware of open source reports about calls for global action on Friday. 
It's the 13th of October that may lead to demonstrations in communities throughout the United States. We are working closely with our law enforcement partners across the country to share information and identity and disrupt any threats that may emerge, end quote. Well, the agency urged the public to report anything suspicious to authorities. In his statement, um, Meshael, he told mu- uh, Muslims that the people and government officials in Egypt, Syria, Lebanon and Jordan have a responsibility to support Palestinians as the vast majority of Palestinian refugees call Jordan and Lebanon home. Tribes of Jordan, sons of Jordan, brothers and sisters of Jordan. This is a moment to a moment of truth and the borders are uh, close to you. You all know your responsibility, he said. Well, that is extending beyond the Middle East, as the FBI indicated, and they are being hyper vigilant, uh, watching what will happen next. Well, here a bit closer to home, Republicans fail to coalesce around a speaker choice, leaving the House in limbo. Well, House Republicans were on the verge of open revolt Wednesday after the ideologically fractious conference failed to coalesce around a speaker nominee, leaving the chamber rudderless and leaderless for an eighth day. The inability of House Republicans to agree on who will lead them has left the chamber as a in an uh, effective standstill since Representative Kevin McCarthy was ousted as speaker, unable to consider any legislation to aid Israel in its war against Hamas or pass any appropriation bills to avoid a potential government shutdown in mid-November. Neither issue produced enough urgency for Republicans to quickly elect a speaker, as many had hoped, again highlighting the conference's deep divisions. Majority Leader Steve Scalise was nominated for speaker by a majority of Republicans during a closed secret ballot conference meeting early Wednesday. But the significant number of Republicans from across the ideological spectrum said they planned to protest his official election on the House floor. Representative Jim Jordan, Scalise's challenger, initially refused to say he would back Scalise on the House floor. A spokesperson for the judiciary chairman later clarified Jordan would back Scalise and offered to give a nominating speech on his behalf. But in a conference where emotions are raw, divisions are deep and grudges are held after the McCarthy ouster. The slight was another example of the discord that's complicated House Republicans' ability to elect a new speaker. And the uh, the stakes are ever higher. Anyone who thought that the same problems that caused the chaos last week would magically disappear today now know how wrong they were. That's a quote from Representative Kelly Armstrong out of North Dakota. With a narrow majority, Republicans can only lose four members to allow anything to pass through their ranks. Democrats have no plans to help elect either Republican candidate as speaker and instead will vote for minority leader Hakeem Jeffries, as they did during the 15 rounds of balloting it took for McCarthy to win the gavel this year. The stalemate led uh, Speaker pro tempore Patrick McHenry to recess the House to avoid the embarrassment of a failed speaker vote, Republicans stood by, wandering around the Capitol, waiting to see if they would meet behind closed doors. Word spread early Wednesday evening that there would be no immediate conference meeting, and eventually the House adjourned, as no clear path emerged to how to elect a speaker. Representative Jim Jordan on Capitol Hill and Scalise, Steve Scalise, both waiting to see what happens next. At least a dozen Republicans have refused to back Scalise for speaker. Their reasons include what they say is a lack of a plan to fund government, no plan to change how Washington works, anger that McCarthy lost the job in opposition to giving the next person a line of promotion. Some lawmakers also were angry at Scalise's effort to block a proposed conference rule that would have been a change that would 
would have kept House Republicans voting behind closed doors until a speaker nominee earned 217 votes. A vote on that proposal rule change failed in Wednesday's meeting, and Scalise was able to grab the nomination with a simple majority. And so it goes. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show again coming up later this hour. Pastor Rich Jones, Calvary Chapel, Hillsboro, and founder of Blessers of Israel. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You are listening to The Georgine Rice Show. A reminder coming up uh, in our next couple of segments, a conversation with Pastor Rich Jones. He's the founder of Blessers of Israel and pastor of Calvary Chapel, Hillsboro. That's coming up in just a few moments. Well, Senator Bob Menendez, the Democrat out of New Jersey, is now facing additional charges of acting as a foreign agent and accepting hundreds of thousands of dollars of bribes to benefit the Egyptian government through his power and influence as a senator. That's according to the superseding indictment filed by a grand jury in Manhattan earlier today. A superseding indictment is a formal document issued by a grand jury that replaces and expands upon a previous indictment in a criminal case. It's used when new evidence or charges arise after an initial indictment has been issued. Sounds ominous, the superseding indictment. Well, Menendez, along with his wife, Nadine, um, are being charged on a number of of, um, charges, federal bribery. Uh, Among the other actions, Menendez provided sensitive U.S. government information, took other steps that secretly aided the government of Egypt, the indictment states. It was part of an object of the conspiracy that Robert Menendez, the defendant and others known and unknown, being a public official directly and indirectly, would and did corruptly demand, seek, receive, accept and agree to receive and accept something of value personally and for another person and entity in return for being influenced in the performance of an official act and for being induced to do an act and omit to do an act in violation of his official duty. The indictment reads, oh, my, you'd have to be an attorney to sort through all of that. Well, the new indictment shows a photo of Menendez, Nadine and Hannah with unidentified Egyptian officials in Menendez Senate office in 2018. Prosecutors allege the meeting included talks of foreign military financing to Egypt. Later that same day, the senator sought from the State Department non-public information regarding the number and nationality of persons serving at the U.S. Embassy in Cairo, Egypt, the indictment states. Although this information was not classified, it was deemed highly sensitive because it could pose significant operational security concerns if disclosed to a foreign government or made public. Again, from the indictment. Well, last month, Menendez stepped down temporarily from his post as chairman of the Foreign uh, Senate Foreign Relations Committee until the matter has been resolved. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer previously told news outlets, well, FBI and IRS criminal investigators allege that Menendez and his wife accepted several gold bars and other gifts from uh, the individual, a New Jersey developer and former bank chairman accused of banking crimes, Menendez allegedly worked to help appoint a prosecutor who would be sympathetic, according to the indictment. Well, the unsealed indictment alleges that from at least 2018 to 2022, the senator and his wife engaged in a corrupt relationship with um, a number of foreign and individuals from the United States. Well, inflation is still increasing at appropriately, uh, approximately, uh, inappropriately, twice the Federal Reserve's target rate, meaning ordinary Americans are getting no relief after two and a half years of runaway prices. 
The chief executive officer of the Job Creators Network said after a government agency reported that inflation ticked up last month. The U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics reported on Thursday that the Consumer Price Index, a key measure of inflation, rose 0.4 percent in September. And while inflation has moderated compared to the beginning of this year, it's important to remember that since President Biden took office, prices have increased by around 20 percent, reducing Americans' real wages and living standards. Alfredo Ortiz, president and chief executive officer of the Job Creators Network, said in a statement, due to this Bidenflation, ordinary Americans are poorer. The reason for this uh, cost of living crisis is reckless spending by the administration and congressional Democrats that have led to too many dollars chasing too few goods, bidding up prices and diluting the currency already in existence. Well, this year's uh, deficit is a projected one point seven trillion dollars one of the largest in the nation's history and a ridiculous number for an economy running at full capacity. It comes on top of the several trillion dollars of uh, spending on major bills in the first two years of the current administration. In September, the flood in the, rather the food index rose 0.2%. The energy index 1.5%. The fuel oil index rose 8.5% and the electricity index rose 1.3%, while the utility, which is piped gas service index, decreased 1.9%, and used, uh, the used um, cars and trucks index decreased 2.5%, medical care commodities index decreased 0.3%, and the apparel index decreased 0.8%, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Well, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, as I mentioned, landed in Israel this morning, as a show of support for the longtime ally following Hamas terrorist attacks on the country on Saturday. Blinken was greeted by the Israeli foreign minister, Eli Cohen, and other officials after departing the plane at Ben Gurion Airport in Lod, which is on the outskirts of Tel Aviv. Deputy Special Envoy for Hostage Affairs, Steve Gillen, also traveled to Israel with Blinken to prioritize the mission to urge Hamas to release all hostages immediately. Blinken will meet and did with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, President Yitzhak Herzog and other senior Israeli officials and reiterated his condolences for the victims of the terrorist attacks against Israel and condemned those attacks in the strongest terms. A statement from his office said on Tuesday he also met with the team at the U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem. According to the Secretary of State's website, Blinken is scheduled to travel to Jordan before his scheduled departure on Friday the 13th. House Republicans were unsuccessful meeting behind closed doors today to try to hash out their differences ahead of a chamber-wide vote to elect the next speaker. And sadly, there are holdouts um, that were largely responsible for the ouster of the previous uh, Speaker of the House. And that doesn't seem to be um, improving uh, in any uh, any real measure. Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, took issue with the process of the closed-door meetings as one of the reasons they are not cooperating. Some of the Republicans aren't taking a liking to the conference's uh, style, which has always been the case. Uh, Matt Gates uh, from Florida and Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia have chirped on social media about their party's secluded meetings to choose the speaker. The meetings uh, culminated with House Majority Leader Steve Scalise being chosen by the GOP conference as their standard bearer in the speaker race after former House Speaker McCarthy's historic ouster. But that didn't go well either. And as it stands, there's no meeting scheduled, at least not 
right away. A Special Operations Marine Corps unit participating in exercises expected to last through the 22nd of October departed early this week. As a result of emerging events, according to reports, on Tuesday, the Marines issued a press release saying Marines and sailors of the 26th Marine Expeditionary Unit would be participating in Marine Air Ground Task Force training exercises in Kuwait. The training started with the USS Bataan, an amphibious ready group, and the USS Carter Hall, which would arrive near Kuwait and offload elements and equipment for the exercises. The day before the exercise began on the 7th of this month, Hamas-led militants conducted the surprise attack on Israel, killing at least 22 U.S. citizens and leaving at least 17 still unaccounted for, and some being held hostage in Gaza. Marine Corps Times reported on Wednesday that the sailors and Marines who were part of the 26th Marine Expeditionary Unit in Kuwait and traveling on the Bataan and Carter Hall are no longer in the vicinity of Kuwait. They also told Marine Corps Times that the group was given orders to return to their ships to prepare for further tasking as a result of emerging events. We're going to talk about emerging events in just a moment when I'm joined by Pastor Rich Jones. He is senior pastor at Calvary Chapel Hillsboro and founder of Blessers of Israel. Day six, uh, rather, yeah, day six of events in the Middle East. We'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You are listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Some of the headlines today, New World Order. The Saudi prince met with Iran's president to hold a call on Israel and the Hamas war. China's soft message is part of a much bigger strategy. Syria's main airports out of service after Israel strikes. Egypt warned three days prior to Hamas attack. Rescuers find blood-drenched nursery. Beginning of the end for Netanyahu. Again, some of the headlines. Fear grows of a second front. The U.K. to deploy Royal Navy ships. Fresh risk to American troops. Paris police turn water cannons, tear gas on pro-Palestinian demonstrators. Trump praises Hezbollah. It's day six. This could spread to all of the Middle East. Hamas calls for a global day of jihad as Jews there and abroad brace themselves. Well, in 1967, there was the Mideast War. Then there was in 1973, the Yom Kippur War. 1983, during the first Lebanon War, the second Lebanon War in 2006, None of those compare with the war now being now brewing rather between Israel and its hostile neighbors. Hamas has called on those groups to open new fronts against Israel if the nation uh, tanks roll into Gaza and the world is holding its breath to see what happens next. Well, here to talk with us um, about what we can learn from the scriptures in terms of how to interpret these events uh, and how we as Christians ought to respond is Pastor Rich Jones. He is senior pastor at Calvary Chapel Hillsboro. He's also founder of Blessers of Israel. And I appreciate so much your joining us to help us gain some perspective on what we're witnessing. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be with you as always, but I wish, of course, it was under better circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. It's just such a grievous thing. One action uh, leads to another action and there's destruction and... and uh, Carnage, and it just it breaks your heart. But that, I suppose, is just an, uh, the latest example of human history where sin reigns uh, and people um, destroy one another until Jesus touches down in, in Jerusalem. Well, I, I, but I think more than just you know the nature of man, I think there is a 
there is a biblical fulfillment in what is happening in the sense that we know that the uh, the events of the latter days will center on Israel and of course we are the whole world of course is focused on the events that are happening in Israel right now but this will be even more so as we draw nearer to those latter days so uh um you know yes it's the evil nature of man but there is a specific fulfillment that we are, are, are seeing that we're leading up to. These are the birth pangs, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, but the world will be against Israel. Now, some might assume, if they're less familiar with the scriptures, that Israel will always prevail because they were chosen by God to bring the Messiah to the world. They were to bring the gospel to the world. What might we expect? It, it, does God guarantee, and again, if you understand and have read the scriptures, you might know the answer, is there a guarantee that Israel in this conflict and perhaps future conflicts will always prevail? Well, uh, Israel will prevail because God will, will intervene. But that is at the end of the age. Between here and there, there will be great troubles, great travail that uh, Israel will encounter. In fact, we know from Scripture uh, Matthew 24 describes that events in the world will get so bad for Israel that there will be a call to essentially flee to the mountains and uh, they, it will get that bad and that unless the Lord himself intervenes in their behalf they would be completely annihilated. So yes we know how it ends but there will be great troubles between here and there for Israel. I think one of the shocking things about what happened just six days ago was the fact that Israel was caught unaware. We're hearing now that Egypt had warned the Israelis three days prior that something was coming. We don't know to whom that warning was placed. Uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu on Tuesday said no warning had been given. So it's not altogether clear. But given the the, um, tremendous security uh, and intelligence that Israel has had historically, it was surprising that they were uh, caught off guard. Your thoughts? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the uh, the intelligence uh, forces of Israel are infamous. Uh, I mean, the Mossad is just the world standard, you might say, the gold standard of, of intelligence gathering. And so for them to be caught off guard to this degree is itself really part of the shocking element of what's happening right now. <clears throat> now, yes, we are seeing little snippets of uh, warnings um, this all has to be investigated. This all has to be verified. And frankly, there will be there will be many people who will have uh, repercussions come back on them for ignoring the signs. What's interesting, also, uh, I'm not sure if you saw on the news recently, but one of the senior Hamas leaders was uh, on Russian television, I believe, just yesterday, uh, really proclaiming the strategy was to uh, essentially. Uh, lull Israel to sleep by, you know, proclaiming that they want to uh, be out of the Islamic jihad efforts that were happening, and they were busy, you know, with governing Gaza. All of it was a, a plan to put Israel to sleep, which was very successful. Israel has not been cut off guard to this degree since 1973, the Yom Kippur War, and that's 50 years, and I think that is itself very interesting. Mm-hmm. I had uh, asked this question yesterday, but I'll put it to you as well. Is there significance to the the day and the, the time that was chosen for this attack to take place? It was a 50th anniversary. It was the Sabbath. 
Your thoughts on um, whether or not they were sending a message in terms of the timing? Well, you look at all those factors, right? The 15th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War, uh, the Sabbath, Simchat Torah, which is a very um, joyous day of celebrating. It's really happy Torah, literally, is the interpretation of that word. And uh, yet also, there were uh, how many there in the desert really very close to Gaza celebrating uh, this this music festival. And so uh, that, I don't, I suppose that was a coincidence to it, or maybe not, but it was the opportunity that they took advantage of to uh, kill un- oh, just ungodly what happened and the number of people dead. All of that, I believe you are right, it was chosen on purpose. There's great concern about the uh, fact that the war could broaden to a second or perhaps third front or even uh, more than that. Um, Lebanon, uh, the border with Lebanon, the border with Syria, we're hearing from Yemen, Turkey is, has weighed in, all suggesting that if, uh, in fact, others intervene, the United States uh, and the U.K. that now has a vessel apparently making its way to that area, um, that they will broaden this war. Uh, your thoughts on that and um, how should we understand um, this representation of hatred for the nation and the people of Israel? Well, of course, uh, the United States is sending uh, naval carrier groups in the region, which I I, I know you reported on earlier in this uh, uh, segment. And that is a message from the United States, of course, to those nations that you enter into this war and the United States has the back of Israel. So I think that's the right message. But I think that that uh, Lebanon in the north, particularly Hezbollah, of course, that's also backed by Iran. And Iran, of course, is a very important part of this picture. But uh, they tested the borders, and uh, Israel repelled them. Now, there was re- rumors, I believe just yesterday, that they were sending in a massive drone attack. turned out to be a false alarm. Mm-hmm. But everyone is up on, on, on edge, you might say, because very concerned that uh, Hezbollah would take advantage of this opportunity. Although you would think that if they were going to do that, they would have already done it because now Israel has amassed 100,000 troops uh, to the north and 300,000 in the south, if I have the numbers correct. They are preparing for the uh, possibility of Hezbollah doing something like this, and uh, they are on the ready. But uh, here's what I believe, and that is that if it appears that Israel is, uh, let's say, on their back feet, if they are going to be on the losing end of this matter, that other nations will jump in to take the opportunity, and perhaps even Iran. Syria is a very minor player in regards to the strength and power of what they have, but they, if they see Israel is weak and there's an opportunity, they could jump in, which is why the United States uh, correctly is sending naval carrier groups uh, to send a signal to all of these other nations. The United States has the back of Israel, which they should, for those who bless Israel will be blessed. That, I believe, should inform our foreign policy in regards to Israel. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll continue our conversation again, talking with Pastor Rich Jones of Calvary Chapel, Hillsboro, and founder of Blessers of Israel, a great resource if you're looking for information that's timely and gives you some of the backstory. I think many, a few of us understand the full story in its context and in light of what the scriptures uh, tell us. 
great resource. We'll talk more about that when we return. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. I'm continuing my conversation with Pastor Rich Jones of Calvary Chapel Hillsboro and founder of Blessers of Israel. I read one of the headlines when we began the, the previous segment that suggested there may be a new world order in that the Saudi prince was making phone calls to the Iranian president and others uh, exerting some leadership over all of this. And the suggestion that one of the mitigating um, circumstances for this attack by Hamas was the fact that there was an effort to normalize um, relations between Saudi Arabia, home of the holiest sites in Islam, and Israel. Did that, from your uh, perspective, did that play a role in um, in this whole thing, the timing of it, not to the specific day, but before that could be finalized? And how important would that have been to Hamas and others who oppose Israel? Well, I think that Hamas was very concerned because the Arab nations have been working towards normalization of relationships with Israel and Saudi Arabia. Uh, having a normalization of relationships would have been uh, a, a major capstone to the whole effort. So Hamas was very much concerned about that. And in many ways, this has thrown, you might say, uh, a grenade in the middle of those negotiations. I mean, those are, as I understand it, pretty much uh, uh, put on the back burner. I can't say dead on the water, but let's say put on the back burner until this whole matter settles down. So was Hamas concerned? Yes, there is a rising change in the world order, and Saudi Arabia would very much like to play a key role in it. And it's very interesting that their relationship to Iran has uh, improved recently, Mm -hmm. and that was brokered by China. I mean, the the changing face of the world political uh, uh, system is just uh, uh, amazing. We are seeing signs of the times, frankly, as the world order is shifting before our eyes. Well, explain that a bit further, because it is significant. China weighed in very lightly, but Saudi Arabia brokering conversations with Iran and um, Turkey and other places, elevating its its status, if you will, on the world stage. Your thoughts on all of that? Absolutely. Well, of course, we, we know that in the latter days, there will be a coalition of, of countries that come against Israel. Now, it does speak of the Arab nations in Ezekiel 38 and 39, and specifically mentions the Arab nations uh, are, are, let's say, standing by and watching. They're not directly involved in that particular one. They will be involved later. But uh, uh, there is uh, a change of the world order. Saudi Arabia wants to be a leader in it, and they are a leader in the Arab nations. But the the very interesting balance of things, because in many ways, uh, uh, Israel, uh, you might say, has been given up on the idea of a two-state solution. There's no negotiating partner. And so now they're trying to step past the uh, Palestinian Authority and start working on normalization with the Arab nations. Well, Hamas absolutely does not want that. And so uh, there's a there's a move of of the the world order, but Hamas is trying to bring it back to the Stone Ages, literally. Hamas has called for a global day of jihad on Friday the 13th. They are looking primarily in their own geographical region, but it's now spread throughout the West, and the FBI is is on alert for what may happen here. Um, mm-hmm. Your thoughts on the broad and vocal support, particularly on college campuses, but not exclusively. Uh, for jihad in particular, and for Hamas and the events that took place 
over the last six days, but primarily over the first couple of days of that um, uh, that incursion. Oh, there is so much that could be said on this topic right here. It's very concerning what we are seeing on college campuses that are, uh, uh, it's hard to imagine college students having a right mind to to justify or to stand in support of uh, Hamas. It is unbelievable. And in fact, maybe you also read in the news that some of the CEOs are saying, we want the names of those mm-hmm. students so that we will make sure that we don't hire them because that's the last thing we want is the influence of that in our corporations. But it's very concerning to me because this is the next generation. Th- these are the students that will arise and, and be the leaders, uh, presumably, of the next generation. My hope and prayer is that somehow in the reality of life they awaken. Uh, literally, you know, what's interesting is they call themselves woke. But in, in my view, there's qu- they're quite blind uh, to the reality of what's happening in the world. Because if they could see what's happening in the world, they would not be standing in support of Hamas. I will tell you that. It's shocking what we are seeing. Now, this call for global jihad... It will it'll be interesting to see because it, it will be in many ways a test to see what the influence of Hamas is uh, around the world. You know, when this thing first began on the Sabbath last week, they called for an uprising of the Palestinian Authority militants in the West Bank. And very little of that happened. They did not heed that call. And if you remember, it was Hamas... Uh, warring against the Palestinian Authority that brought them into power in 2007. And so uh, there's not exactly relationship of peace between them either. And so uh, now a call for worldwide jihad, it'll be an interesting test. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about how we as Christian are to interpret and respond to these events. I know many of us are concerned about Palestinian Christians in particular, but the innocents who are always caught up in in conflict, Hamas put them in that position. They have never uh, demonstrated a genuine concern for the welfare of the people they are supposed to represent. Uh, they have misused the the resources that should have been distributed to the people for their uh, f- for their uh, protection and and their future. So that that's not something that Hamas has done. Um, but how should we as Christians? Yeah, please go ahead. Well, I, I want to put it in this perspective. Now, you're no doubt familiar with the tactics of Hamas that they were they will use human shields. Absolutely. Right. And I believe that the whole of Gaza is a human shield. There are vast numbers of innocents, let's call them, uh, uh, Palestinians who want nothing to do with Hamas. Frank, frankly, the vast majority of people living in Gaza. And yet uh, Hamas has a death grip. Uh, 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 ruling over uh, Hama, uh, Gaza with an iron fist. They are using the whole of Gaza as a human shield. And so, you know, they are forcing Israel to have to uh, uh, bring such force that innocents are collateral damage to what they have to do in order to take out and dismantle Hamas. It's a tragedy of epic proportions. But I think your question is leading to what should Christians do in response? How should we pray? Mm-hmm. Well, I was thinking, you know, of, of um, a Psalm, Psalm 25, verse 22. I was just actually teaching on this last week, or last night at the evening service, where David, at the very end of a beautiful, beautiful psalm, 
says in, in verse 22, Redeem Israel, O God, out of all of his troubles. That's our prayer. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all of his troubles. We know that Israel will encounter many troubles between now and the latter days. And we stand with them. We pray with them. That is what we must do. We can bless Israel right now by praying for them. I, I, I know also what we are going to do uh, as a church, and that is that we are specifically raising funds. We have partners in Israel that will be able to take the funds that we are raising and to uh, apply them directly to the families that are directly impacted uh, by what has happened uh, uh, over the course of this last week. And so we're going to pray. We're going to uh, uh, financially support uh, we're going to just continue to stand with our friends in Israel. For those who bless Israel will be blessed, and God will arise to stand with Israel. And so we pray, redeem Israel, O God, out of all of his troubles. That is what we must do now. Mm-hmm. And I think churches are all over this nation, really in the world, are praying for Israel today. And there's a worldwide, of course, support for Israel. So Israel is going to take full advantage of that while they can. For those who are interested in uh, regular updates, the podcast, the news feed from Blessers of Israel, the best way for them to uh, access? www.blessors.org. Blessers with an O. Blessers.org. We give regular updates on the news. We give regular biblical interpretation of what's happening in the world. Um, Stand on the alert. Watch for the signs of the times. That's what we are wanting to do. We want to equip the church to do that. Blessers of Israel with an O dot org. Pastor Rich, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Always appreciate it. Until next time. (laughs) Bye bye. We've got news and traffic coming up here in Portland News in Seattle, and we'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back, and welcome to the second hour of today's program. We're going to continue to look at some of the day's headlines. And if you're in the Portland area, coming up at 530, a conversation with a clinic director of Pathways Clinic. They're holding their fall gala. That's coming up uh, later this month. We'll give you all the important details. Kimberly Swinson will join me. That's at 530. Well, a new study warned that artificial intelligence technology could cause a significant surge in electricity consumption. Well, the paper published in the journal Jowl, or something very like that, details the potential future energy output of AI systems, noting that generative AI technology relies on powerful servers, and that increased use could drive a spike in demand for energy. The authors point to tech giant Google in one such example, or as one, noting that AI only accounted for 10 to 15 percent of the company's total electricity consumption in 2021. But as AI technology continues to expand, Google's energy consumption could start to be on the scale of a small country. While the worst case scenario suggested Google's AI alone could consume as much electricity as a country such as Ireland. 29.3 TWH per year, which is a significant increase compared to its historical AI-related energy consumption, the authors wrote. Well, they caution that such an, ex- an uh, example assumes full-scale AI adoption utilizing current hardware and software, which is unlikely to happen, at least rapidly. American officials are investigating Iran for training Hamas terrorists American officials say that they are looking into some of the Hamas militants who carried out the unprecedented attack on Israel, whether they received advanced training from Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, according to current and former U.S. officials. 
They're also examining whether Hamas used recent Palestinian protests along the Gaza border fence to cover or rather as cover to place explosives that were later used to breach the Israeli barrier. The um, advanced training and placement of explosives, if confirmed, would be the latest example of the decades of support Iran has provided to Hamas. The attack, which was far more sophisticated than past Hamas operations, would not have been possible without the funding, the weapons and training Iran has supplied to the militant group. Current and former U.S. officials expressed concern. U.S. citizens uh, killed 14 or rather, um, it says 14, but it's uh, 22 at last count and climbing. U.S. citizens captured and held uh, 14. U.S. citizens missing and unaccounted for at least 20. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and former Defense Minister Gantz have created a unity party. The um, former defense chief and the prime minister's uh, the centrist opposition party leader Ben Gantz have agreed to form an emergency government, a joint statement, from the National Unity Party on Wednesday, the gunman who um, perpetrated the 1,200 deaths there, the deadliest Palestinian militant attack in Israel's history, was responsible for the unity government. Israel has responded with a massive bombardment of Gaza. It's killed at least 1,055 and deployed thousands of troops around the enclave amid growing expectations. It will launch a ground invasion to destroy Hamas. The sides agreed to form a war cabinet comprising Netanyahu, Gantz, and Defense Minister Yov Gallant, the statement said, and during the fighting with Hamas in Gaza, will not promote any unrelated policy or laws. As a former defense minister, Gantz's role in the new unity government will significantly strengthen the security experience around the decision-making table. Since the Hamas attack on Saturday, Gantz and opposition leader Yair Lapid have called for the formation of a unity government. Well, now they have one. The New York Times edited um, published material calling Hamas terrorists gunmen, uh, and that has uh, raised the ire of many uh, looking on. Another day, another instance of the uh, media being abjectly terrible at covering the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Every deflection has been mentioned as the press remains allergic to torching a terrorist organization that just committed mass rape and slaughter against Israeli citizens, civilians at best. They also can't condemn the kidnappers, the wholesale murder of entire families and the beheading of children. They're too busy making sure they're not uh, mean to Hamas. Well, Governor DeSantis press secretary Jeremy Redfern said the New York Times changed it from terrorist to gunman. Wouldn't want to upset the Hamas caucus, I guess. Guy Benson weighs in saying question for the New York Times editors on this one. What do you call the members of Hamas who literally decapitated babies? Gunmen wouldn't apply to those particular savage murderers, uh, would it? They ask rhetorically. So what's the style uh, style book on euphemizing um, that form? Terrorism? Well, interesting how the issue changes to protect Hamas, yet go all out in covering Israel's retaliation. Well, the first shipment of American aid has arrived in Israel. The Israeli Defense Force said the first planes carrying U.S. armaments has arrived in southern Israel. Our common enemies know that the cooperation between our militaries is stronger than ever, the IDF said. The Al-Qassam, armed wing of the Palestinian militant group Hamas, said it launched hundreds of missiles at the southern Israeli city of Ashkelon, saying the attack was in response to the displacement of civilians. It came shortly after 5 p.m. local time deadline. Hamas had given Ashkelon residents to leave the premises 
had passed. On Tuesday, Israel's uh, military said it had regained control of the Gaza-Israeli border after Hamas launched a surprise attack on the southern uh, part of the country, unprecedented in scope and deadliness. Northern Israel is being probed by Hezbollah, which could possibly open a two-front war. After being attacked by Iranian-backed Hamas terrorists in the south, Hezbollah has started its incursion into Israel in the north from the Lebanon border. The Israeli defense forces are now fighting a two-front war, we're told. Hezbollah, also backed by Iran, has more than 200,000 rockets and missiles pointed at Israel. Hamas continues to fire thousands of rockets from the south, stretching Israeli's uh, Iron Dome defense system. Uh, Reminders, uh, if... um, The Northern Front opens. Hezbollah is a terrorist organization controlled by Iran. Uh, Like Hamas, they use human shields. Uh, Hamas and Hezbollah, the Islamic Jihad, sit together in Beirut in a joint cell coordinated by Iran. Hezbollah's threat, much greater. Massive arsenal of precision-guided munitions provided by Iran for years requires David's sling, not just Iron Dome, and overwhelming military response. Richard Goldberg reporting. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Back in a moment. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You are listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Well, the Biden administration earlier this year tapped the Council on American Islamic Relations for an initiative to curb anti-Semitism. Well, this week, the anti-Semitic group and its leaders defended Hamas attacks that, well, have killed more than a thousand Jews. Well, the White House announced in May that the Council on American Islamic Relations would take part in its national strategy to combat anti-Semitism. As part of the initiative, CARE launched a nationwide tour to educate religious minority communities on how to protect their houses of worship from hate incidents. Well, at the time, critics slammed the White House for partnering with CARE, which has a history of anti-Semitism and was linked to Hamas in a federal terrorism case in 2007. Well, apparently didn't listen. As Israel engages an existential fight, Iranian-backed groups are threatening U.S. forces. Powerful Iraqi and Yemeni armed groups aligned with Iran have threatened to target U.S. interests with missiles and drones if Washington intervenes to support Israel in its conflict with Hamas in Gaza that already shows signs of expanding to further fronts. The comments come amid strong support by the United States for Israel's response to the attacks and a U.S. pledge to rapidly provide additional munitions to Israel and deploy a carrier strike group in the eastern Mediterranean. The United States currently has 2,500 troops in Iraq and an additional 900 in neighboring Syria on a mission to advise and assist local forces in combating Islamic State which in 2014 seized swaths of territory in both countries. Just days after Hamas poured across the Gaza-Israel border on Saturday, Hezbollah in southern Lebanon began firing rockets into northern Israel, widening the conflict into a multi-front war. Then on Tuesday, an Iranian-backed militia near the Golan Heights began launching rockets into Israel from Syria, prompting return fire from the Israeli Defense Forces. The new fronts threatened to draw Israeli men and material away from Gaza, where the bulk of the fighting has taken place since Saturday's invasion. Russian President Vladimir Putin has weighed in on Israel's war with Hamas. The uh, Russian president addressed Tuesday the ongoing violent conflict between Israel and Hamas following a series of attacks portrayed uh, perpetrated by Hamas. Putin made the remark in a meeting with Iraqi Prime Minister um, uh, Mohammed Shia al-Sudani, 
I think many will agree with me that this is a clear example of the failure of U.S. policy in the Middle East, Putin said at the meeting. Putin blamed the Hamas terror attacks on U.S. interventionism, claiming the U.S. military regulated and managed tensions between the two territories without concern for the long-term wishes of the Palestinians, end quote. It's rather touching that he has concern for the long-term interests of the Palestinians. The Kremlin warned Wednesday that the Israeli Hamas conflict has the hallmarks of a hot war right now and could potentially be very dangerous, especially on a humanitarian level. The National Students for Justice in Palestine organization held a day of resistance on college campuses. They're being inspired by terrorist organizations to sow chaos. The national chapter of the National Students for Justice in Palestine posted a call to action on social media and asked their student chapters to hold demonstrations at their colleges in support of the Palestinians, which one might separate from Hamas and its recent actions, but they don't. The national SJP Instagram account called for their student groups to mobilize a day of resistance and support following the attacks in Israel carried out by Hamas. Colleges and universities are holding a demonstration, some by calling it a teach-in in support. A group of 44 House Republicans sent a letter to the Department of Education Secretary Miguel Cardona urging the federal agency to protect Jewish college students in light of Thursday's National Day of Resistance. Former Hamas Chief Khalid uh, Mashael, he said in a recorded statement that Muslims worldwide must rise up and wage jihad and sacrifice their blood and souls in mass protest on Friday. We must head to the squares and streets of the Arab and Islamic world on Friday, he told Reuters, uh, reporting on Wednesday. He currently heads Hamas Diaspora office in Gutter. Well, high school student scores on the ACT college admissions test have dropped to their lowest in more than three decades. It's any wonder that they're spread so thin on so many issues, political and otherwise, showing a lack of student preparedness for college-level coursework. That's according to the nonprofit organization that administers the test. Scores have been falling for six consecutive years, but the trend accelerated during the COVID-19 pandemic. Students in the class of 23, whose scores were reported Wednesday, were in their first year of high school when the virus reached the U.S. The average ACT composite score for U.S. students was 19.5 out of 36. Last year, the average score was 19.8. Just 21% of students take this year's exam, met all four of ACT's college readiness benchmarks, while the percentage of students meeting none of the benchmarks reached a record high of 43%. The U.S. Senate to Biden refreeze Iran's $6 billion. Well, five Senate Democrats called on the president to immediately refreeze the $6 billion in Iranian assets that he unfroze last month, as did Republicans. And it was uh, announced earlier in the day that, in fact, those funds have been refrozen. The administration hasn't made a uh, large public statement, but it has been confirmed that those funds are no longer available, even though we were told they would not go directly to operatives within the country. Inflation has risen again. The September Consumer Price Index found that inflation rose 0.4 percent last month, and it's up 3.7 percent from this time last year. This continues to a trend, rather, of rising inflation as both July and August saw increases after a year of steady decline. Cost of food and energy were the leading cause as those two core CPI items rose 0.3% last month and have risen 4.1% over the last 12 months. Meanwhile, that inflation is rising once again means that workers' wages have effectively decreased 
dropping another 0.2% in the month, with the average wages um, growing just 0.5% for the year. This is especially the case for many retired Americans on fixed incomes. Social Security recipients are set to receive a 3.2% increase in benefits, but that falls falls short of, or rather far short, of matching the growing rate of inflation, not to mention the fact that cumulative inflation since Biden took office is more than 17%. Well, the president's junk, junk policy on junk fees, reeling from bad polling numbers tied to his uh, failed effort to dupe the American public into believing that Bidenomics policies are benefiting the economy, not to mention the uh, decision to unfreeze the $6 million or billion we've already uh, talked about. The president on Wednesday touted his new plan to crack down on junk fees. Folks are tired of being taken advantage of and played for suckers, the president said, as he argued that companies sneak hidden charges into all sorts of bills. These junk feeds can add hundreds of dollars, weighing down family budgets, making it harder to pay family bills, he added. While all Americans can agree that junk feeds are frustrating, the president's maneuver still doesn't change the fact that his policies are responsible for making us all poorer. Furthermore, his uh, propping up of the uh, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, which many would argue is unconstitutional, an entirely unaccountable institution is not the solution for reversing a bad economy. An amber alert for intersectionality in an effort to ensure that racism is injected into everything. California has enacted a new ebony alert system. The new law, which will go into effect on the 1st of January, will utilize electronic highway signs as well as push radio, TV, social media and other systems to alert the public to missing persons of color ages 12 to 25. Evidently, the Amber Alert System, which sends out alerts to the public for missing children who are believed to have been abducted and does not take uh, race into consideration, is itself racist. The issue is that Amber Alert Systems make a distinction between runaways and abductions, only issuing alerts for the latter. Since a higher percentage of black kids are uh, reported as missing after running away from home, an Amber Alert is just not issued. All right, we're going to take a break for those of you in Seattle. Have a great night. Uh, I want to thank Pedro Bartes for producing and engineering in Seattle. In Portland, up next, Kimberly Swenson, the clinic director for Pathways Clinic. Their fall gala is coming up. We'll tell you all about it and extend an invitation. So stay with us. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Well, good afternoon and welcome back. You're listening to the Portland-only edition of the Georgine Rice Show, at least these next couple of segments. Well, I am delighted that... Kimberly Swenson, who is the clinic director at Pathways Clinic, is holding a fall gala, and that's coming up in just a, well, little more than a week, on Tuesday, October 24th at Doubletree Hilton Hotel. We want to talk about this uh, opportunity to celebrate the courage of those who come to the clinic and those who minister through the clinic. And Kimberly joins us to issue a personal invitation so that you can join us for what will be a wonderful evening of celebration and an opportunity to look forward to see what God would have us do in the days ahead. Kimberly Swinson, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Georgine. It's truly an honor to be on your show. Well, thank you. I'm delighted to have you. Um, for those who aren't familiar with Pathways Clinic, tell us a little bit about this uh, PRC, this uh, maternity facility in the Washougal, Washington area. Sure. We are just that. We're a pregnancy resource center. 
uh, in the heart of, of downtown Washougal, but we very much service um, all of Clark County. We, we, we see women and families from all over our beautiful area and sometimes as, as far away as, as Woodland and Portland because um, we, we live in the, the state or states that um, there's just not a whole lot of, of pro-life services around. And mm-hmm. so we're one of just a, a couple of, of pro-life um, agencies in our area. And you do excellent work. I know that the theme this year for Pathways uh, Gala is Pathways to Courage. And we live in a time when courage really is necessary for those who want to reach out and extend uh, the love of Christ and and much-needed services to women and their children and their families who need help, but also to those who come uh, to Pathways Clinic because there's a lot of pushback um, post-Roe versus Wade. That's that's absolutely right. It, it takes courage on the part of anyone who wants to be involved in God's ministry, especially mm-hmm. in in this day and age and in, in the times such as this that we're called to be here. It and it also takes courage on the part of these women and families who are facing crisis and facing hardship and facing what they feel might be a decision that they have to make. Um, very much the message in the world right now is, eh, it's okay. You don't, you don't have to do that. We'll take care of it for you when we know that that's not right. Um, so it takes courage for them to make the phone call and show up at our door and ask for help. It takes courage for a dad to reach out and ask for help, um, whether it be with his wife or girlfriend who they didn't plan to get pregnant or because they need help financially or with um, just general supplies of of life and having children, diapers and wipes and formula. Um, we're, We're here to help with all of those things and more. And it absolutely takes courage for the people who support us to continue to do so in the economy today, mm-hmm. for people to to be faithful um, and and still tithe wherever God has called them to tithe, including pathways. We are a 501c3 and we are only open because people in our community are still being faithful to that call to give because we don't take any money from the government. We don't take any money from anywhere else and we don't charge our patients for anything we do they get all of our services free of charge and i I appreciate your emphasizing that the only way that pathways can continue to do this work is through the generous giving of people who support um, the women in our community who find themselves in challenging circumstances and you're absolutely right we live in a metroplex where people will come from portland they'll come from great distances um, to Washougal for the help that they can find, uh, they can find there. When someone comes to Pathways, a woman isn't sure she's pregnant. When she comes there, what kinds of services can she find? We we will help them um, with whatever we can. So we offer for pregnancy uh, a pregnancy test so that they can know for sure that they're pregnant. And we also offer them. Uh, what we call a limited ultrasound or an early pregnancy ultrasound. And that is so we can 
make sure, number one, that um, they are absolutely pregnant. We have vis visual proof that they are pregnant and that the pregnancy is viable, that the, the pregnancy is located where it should be um, and not ectopic, which is a life-threatening condition, mm -hmm. um, so that we can help them get the, the health care they need to have the next steps to take their paperwork to a doctor's office and say, hey, I, I'm pregnant. I, I need to set up myself with services. Um, for the woman who is contemplating terminating a pregnancy, we can introduce them to life. And that offers us the opportunity to talk to them about the truth of pregnancy mm -hmm. and to show them physical evidence that there there is actually a baby there even this early on and and you can see a heartbeat and we have um actual photographs from um uh author named uh, or photographer named leonard nielsen that were taken uh, in the 60s so we've known for a very long time exactly what was in the womb but we can correlate those pictures that he took that are, are nationally recognized with the actual stage that they're at so that they can see something besides, you know, the, the black and white pixels on a screen and, and the flickering light. We can show them, you know, in, in living color what what they're carrying and what the miracle actually is. Well, during the Pathways to Courage uh, celebration gala coming up on the 24th, that's a Tuesday at Doubletree Hilton Hotel. We're going to have an opportunity not only to witness um, that miracle of seeing what's in the womb, but also to hear the testimonies of those whose lives have been transformed and in many cases whose lives have been saved because of the worth, work of Pathways Clinic. Uh, this is going to be an opportunity for us to be reminded of why it's important post Roe versus Wade to continue to support those ministries, perhaps now more than ever, that are, are are there to minister to these women and to tell them the truth, which these days is hard to find. Now, this year, Kirk Walden is going to be the speaker. For listeners who aren't as familiar with him as you and I are, tell us a little bit about Kirk Walden. Sure. Kirk Walden um, started out on the front lines. He was a clinic director and moved on to be the director of advancement for Heartbeat International, one of, one of our actual affiliates. Um, and has has such a heart for the pro-life ministry and supporting clinics because he knows firsthand what it takes to 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 be a part of this kind of ministry he now um is an author and and speaker on on behalf of clinics just like pathways to help us reach the community and um show them what we're doing and and how much we need their support well, I'm really looking forward to hearing from him. He certainly has been on the front lines for many years in the pro-life movement. And I'm glad to say that I have an opportunity to be a part of the um, of the gala as well. My sister, my husband and I are going to be providing some music uh, for the uh, for the event. And we'll be uh, looking forward to to sharing that as folks are enjoying a great meal. Now, for those who are interested in coming, what's the cost? How do they connect? Because we want to see them at this event so that they can be encouraged and also can leave their ears and eyes open to what God might say they should do moving forward to support this great work. Well, it is 100% free of charge to attend uh, our, our gala. All you have to do is go to pathwayspartners.care 
and right in the middle of the page you'll see a, a video invitation from me and a link that'll take you to the banquet website to register and you'll you'll tell me how many tickets you want and what you would like to eat and i have to tell you the food at the hilton is outstanding yes. <laughs> go for the steak it's amazing <laughs> um and that's it you you register and it is a gala it is a fundraiser and the, you will have a, a couple of different opportunities to support pathways we um we always have a raffle and uh, I have a, a crew of beautiful women who are putting together some absolutely amazing raffle baskets. I think we have five or six, maybe five. I don't know. I, I keep hearing new things. I, I hear we just secured blazer tickets um, to go in one of the baskets. So that's Ooh. not the only prize. Each, each basket is worth over a thousand dollars. So you, you have the opportunity to buy raffle tickets to win some amazing things. And then we have a dessert dash. So, um, we're not just going to give you dessert. We're, we're going to make you bid on it and then race for it. And it's <laughs> athletic. And we, we have some, some folks who come every year who know what they're going to give and they put it all on the dessert. So it's very competitive, I have to say. And we have some amazing, just amazing gourmet desserts who have been um, donated by, by many local bakeries um, and, and different businesses around the Portland-Vancouver area. Well, it's athletic and it's a lot of fun as well. It's going to be a wonderful evening. And again, you're going to be inspired, encouraged and challenged because things don't just happen unless we decide we're going to step up and we're going to demonstrate a bit of courage in supporting organizations like Pathways Clinic. Uh, that's doing a great work in ministering to families in our community. Now, again, you can also register. You can go to kpdq.com if you happen to be driving. That might be easier for you to remember. But let me encourage you to join us. You have an opportunity to uh, win tickets to sit at the table with Dan Rice and I, along with my sister. We're looking forward to uh, to hosting that table and spending some time of fellowship. So check it out, kpdq.com. And we hope to see you there on um, that Tuesday night, again, October 20 fourth at the Doubletree Hilton Hotel in Vancouver. General admission is free. Kirk uh, Walden is the speaker. Some music during our dinner time, and it's going to be a great evening. Kimberly, I have such great respect and uh, regard for you and am grateful for your commitment to lead uh, Pathways Clinic, and I'm looking forward to celebrating together and see what God's going to do to provide the resources so that this ministry can continue in the days ahead. Thank you, Georgine. It's an honor to have you join us again this year, and I'm just so excited to to be a part of your worship again. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a good night. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you, Georgine. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back to wrap things up. Again, go to kpdq.com, register, join us. It's going to be a great evening. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. Is aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the final segment of the Georgine Rice Show. Just finished my conversation with Kimberly Swenson. She does great work at Pathways Clinic. And I do hope you'll consider joining us on Tuesday, October 24th. Uh, my sister, my husband, and I are going to provide some music. There's a great uh, speaker that's going to be uh, featured. I think you'll really enjoy um, Kirk Walton, who's going to be speaking and um, much, much more. So, 
Make note of the date and the time, kpdq.com. Well, as you know, for 50 years, the U.S. Supreme Court's 1973 decision, Roe versus Wade, invented a fictional right to abortion. It prevented most efforts to protect human lives before birth. Well, last year's decision in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization corrected that egregious error, lifting that impediment to pro-life efforts in state legislatures and Congress. Well, pro-abortion forces, however, are relentless and they're trying to use state constitutions to create a state-level right to abortion and shut down pro-life legislation as well as pro-life organizations. Well, the latest conflict is in Florida. Since 1980, the Florida Constitution has provided every natural person has the right to be uh, let alone and free from government intrusion into the person's private life, except as otherwise provided herein. That's what it says. Well, in 1989, the Florida Supreme Court interpreted that right to privacy to include a woman's decision whether or not to continue her pregnancy. And that infringing this right requires that the statute furthers um, a compelling state interest through the least intrusive means. Well, like several other states had done in recent years, the Florida legislature enacted a ban on most abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy in April of last year, shortly before the Dobbs decision was issued. That would go into effect if the Supreme Court overruled Roe versus Wade. Well, of course, the Supreme Court did. Well, this year, as the lawsuit uh, um, lawsuit over the 15 weeks ban was underway, Florida adopted a law banning most abortions after the heartbeat can be detected at six weeks. If the Florida Supreme Court holds that the Florida Constitution does not protect a right to abortion or otherwise allows the 15 week ban to go into effect, the tighter restriction will replace it as the law in Florida. Well, perhaps anticipating the Dobbs outcome, Planned Parenthood and several abortion clinics challenged the 15-week law in state court as expected, claiming that it violated the Florida Constitution. Well, the Florida Court of Appeals found the law constitutional and the Florida Supreme Court heard arguments on the 8th of September. Well, during those arguments, an attorney with the American Civil Liberties Union argued on behalf of Planned Parenthood focused on what is and is not in the Florida Constitution. The privacy clause that appears in the Constitution is written in broad language, and in 2012, the voters rejected constitutional amendment that would have overruled the state Supreme Court's 1989 precedent creating a law, a right to abortion. Together, they argued that these supported uh, maintaining the court's 1989 interpretation. Well, one justice seemed dubious about Planned Parenthood's position on originalist grounds, observing that there existed few supporting documents to show that that was the understanding of any voter in the state in 1980 when the language in the Constitution was adopted. Well, Justice Carlo Muniz, he also questioned whether the terminology used to express the legal understanding of a right to privacy can be extended to the abortion context. Representing Florida Solicitor General Henry Whitaker, he argued that correctly interpreted privacy as it appeared in the Florida Constitution refers to informational privacy rather than a generalized notion of bodily autonomy or abortion. Well, in January, the South Carolina Supreme Court decided that its Constitution's privacy provision protected a right to abortion, even though that provision appeared limited to the context of unreasonable searches and seizures. 
In August, however, after one justice in the previous majority had been replaced, the court reversed itself and upheld a state law banning most abortions after the baby's heartbeat can be detected. Well, three states, California, Michigan and Vermont, now have constitutional provisions explicitly protecting the right to an abortion. And abortion and gender activists are hoping to change the Ohio Constitution next month in the same direction. Well, elsewhere, as in Florida, they're focusing their efforts on states with a constitutional provision regarding due process or privacy, urging the highest courts in those states to invent or retain a right to abortion that does not explicitly appear in the text itself. The Florida Supreme Court will soon announce which side of that conflict it will join. And this is where the this is the new front, aside from the legislative front, where the uh, line on abortion is being drawn state by state as the Supreme Court now allows. Well, in other news, um, Oregon and Idaho lawmakers met in Baker City to discuss Greater Idaho. Well, in February of 23, the Idaho House of Representatives passed Earhart's bill to start discussing the movement with Oregon officials. A Republican from Prineville met with Idaho State Representative Judy Boyle, a Republican from Washington County, and Barbara Earhart, a Republican from Twin Falls. Um, and their uh, purpose is to determine whether or not uh, the southern, eastern and southern Oregon become part of Idaho. The Idaho Senate didn't pass a bill yet, but redrawing state boundaries would require approval from the legislatures of both the state of Oregon and Washington, as well as from Congress. Well, on um, the meeting on October 19th, which will also involve citizens for greater Idaho officials and potentially county commissioners from the state of Oregon, will be closed to the press and the public. But a public press conference is scheduled for 3.30 that day at the Geyser Grand Hotel uh, in Baker City. Well, voters in a dozen counties, including Baker, have approved measures requiring their county commissioners to meet occasionally to discuss the Greater Idaho proposal. Now, will it ever actually happen? Well, we don't know, but it certainly is being discussed and they are moving in the direction of making that a uh, new boundary for the state of Oregon. Rather interesting prospect to consider. Well, on this day in history, night or rather 1492 according to the old style calendar christopher columbus expedition arrived in present-day bahamas not exactly what he was looking for 1810 the german festival oktoberfest was first held in munich to celebrate the wedding of bavarian crown prince ludwig and princess Theresa of Saxe hildeburghausen 1870 general robert e lee dies in lexington virginia at age 63 1973, President uh, Richard Nixon nominates House Minority Leader Gerald Ford of Michigan to succeed Spiro T. Agnew as vice president. 1984, British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher escapes an attempt on her life when an Irish Republican Army bomb exploded at a hotel in Brighton, England, killing five. 2000, 17 sailors are killed in a suicide bomb attack on the destroyer USS Cole in Yemen. 2001, on this day in history, NBC announces that an assistant to anchorman Tom Brokaw has contacted the skin form of anthrax after opening a threatening letter to his boss containing the powder. 2002, bombs blamed on Al-Qaeda-linked militants destroy a nightclub on an Indonesian island of Bali, killing 202 people, including 88 Australians and 7 Americans. And 2018, 
American pastor Andrew Brunson files rather flies out of Turkey after a Turkish court convicts him of terror links, but frees him from house arrest. He'd already spent nearly two years in detention. Well, we are out of time. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. I want to thank James Blend for producing, Dave King for engineering, and thank you for making The Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.